Welcome into Locked On Knicks, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, your dream team reunited, and we are once again assembling the council of Alex's It's Knicks Draft. You know him, he's Alex. <laughs> he covers the NBA draft for both the Strickland and for Knicks Fan TV. One of the best out there doing it, a real a real film buff. And, and you, you will see the, the fruits of his labor in this episode, Alex, as, as he goes deep uh, not only some mainstream guys, but but some deep sleepers that the Knicks could potentially be interested in in the second round. Yeah, uh, most importantly, we get into the distinction between the two Baylor guys. Uh, we talk a bit about Zaire Williams and his sort of journey uh, from a, a rough season of college now to the NBA draft when he was had some top five buzz coming into the season. And then we ask Alex for some of his best second round sleepers. I won't spoil any of them. I'll just let you listen to hear who they all are, so you have some guys to keep an eye on for draft night. But I won't hold this up any longer. Let's get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And this episode is brought to you by the Locked On NBA Draft Show. NBA Draft GOAT, Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft. 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage that will include yours truly on July 29th at 7 p.m. ET. As always, I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor of the Best Damn Knicks website out there, the Strickland. And we are, as, as I already mentioned, Joined by another Alex, it is Nick's Draft. You can follow him via that handle on Twitter. Um, and yeah, he has, he has some great takes for you guys. So I won't delay it any longer. Let's get into our final thoughts that you will hear pre-draft um, with Alex. All right, so another guy who fits into that young and, and sort of raw descriptor would be Kai Jones out of Texas. Texas obviously has had a great track record over the last few years producing uh, center talent, most notably Jared Allen, but uh, Jones is the latest, and according to some, potentially the best, um, certainly has has the most upside, I would say, of any of those recent guys to come out of UT, um, with the ability to, to shoot from deep a little bit, to rim run, to protect the rim, um, seemingly could develop a bit of a face-up game, but again, all, all this stuff is is not really definitive in terms of how he translates to the NBA. And, and on the surface, um, even if the Knicks keep both their first-round picks, You'd be kind of surprised if they took a center, right? Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson. The rotation when Mitch was healthy worked out pretty well last year. And and presumably, um, I mean, maybe Nerlens isn't back, but you would think that they would just kind of find someone in that mold to plug in. And and I think it would be 
sort of a fearful indicator for those of us who, who love Mitch um, if they were to take a center with either of those picks that maybe they don't really have the stomach to pay him what he might command if he can really put it all together next year or to preemptively try and get him this offseason. But outside of those implications, Alex, how do you feel about Kai Jones just, just sort of in a vacuum and, and maybe towards the end of that, um, how he would be a fit on the Knicks? Yeah, another raw prospect, just like Keon. I think he started playing basketball when he was 15. Uh, so, again, early on the development curve, but he, he he's a great athlete, uh, great size. He was a monster in transition uh, this past year at Texas. Uh, great finisher. You would like to see a little more rim protection and rebounding ability uh, if you're going to play him at center, especially. Uh, you mentioned his, his shooting. He was pretty solid on catch and shoots last year, but he only took 32 of them, I believe, uh, but ranked in the 7th percentile via synergy. So there's some, uh, you know, stretch five uh, possibilities there. Um, but again, still learning, you know, just how to play basketball. You know, right now it seems like he's just going off of uh, just basic instinct and his athleticism. So once he learns how to read the game more, process the game uh, quicker, I think he'll get better and develop. And then, uh, he showed a lot of you know mobility on the defensive end as well, being switchable. Um, you know, you're not going to want to just switch everything with him, I don't think. But uh, he was left out on an island a couple of times at Texas, and you know he didn't let guards get past him. Uh, so I think he, he can move his feet pretty well as well. So um, specifically in the Knicks, uh, the fit isn't great. Obviously, you mentioned with Mitch being here, but again, we don't know how long Mitch is going to be here. Um, and I don't think Mitch is kind of, you know, a foundation piece that you absolutely have to kind of draft around. So, you know, I could see Kai slipping just based off of teams, just again, not valuing bigs as much as they used to. And then him being so raw, he's probably, you know, a year or two away from really being a positive contributor. But I think, you know, year one, don't expect much from him. I think he could be like a rim running center type of, um, a little switchability there, but, if you really want to unlock him, uh, I think it's going to take a few years and, uh, you know, it'd be an interesting pick uh, for the Knicks, but it wouldn't be one that would be the kind of the first on my board. Do you think uh, this could be like pretty much a quick yes or no answer? Do you think there's any world where he and Mitch could play together or do you think that's pretty much like he's, he's a five period? Uh, he definitely best utilized at the five. Uh, I think I saw an interview with him. I read like a quote from it that said he, he could play the three, or he thinks he could play the three. Um, I think Obi had it said something like that pre-draft as well. Um, I mean, yeah, he could play some spot minutes at the four alongside Mitch, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really play them together more than ten minutes a game, if that. Yeah, yeah, and, and the talk of a of a guy that big wanting to play the three gives me some flashbacks to another former Nick as well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who. Was definitely best suited to play the five and wants to do anything but play the five uh, in Texas currently. All right, we're going to take our first break. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's really something for everyone. And if you talk to a Built Bar fan like myself, you definitely know they're passionate about their favorites. And you guys, I mean, if you listen to the show consistently, you know I rock with coconut, I rock with cookies and cream. Let me throw another one out there for you guys right now, though. Mint brownie, big sleeper, really good flavor. It's like chewy like a brownie, and it tastes exactly like what it says it does. Mint brownie, man. It is one of my favorite flavors. Really good if you want a little something different. 
from the the usual you know coconut or cookies and cream or whatever if you're like me and that's your your go-tos definitely one of the best flavors that they offer uh, but if if you haven't tried all the flavors and make no mistake there are a bunch of them 10 in total by my count you can get a mix box and in that mix box you get two of each of the flavors so definitely check that out if you want to try built bars for the first time and the best part is they taste like candy bars but they give you lots of useful protein and not a lot of useless sugar and calories quite frankly you get 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar and calories ranging from just 130 to 180 and only four to five grams of sugar and net carbs so you're not going to find a better ratio of protein to calories and carbs and sugars like that anywhere else if you don't believe me built bar is the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team so when they start cooking later this week just know they're eating built bars to post all those world records and get all those hopefully gold medals. So if you want to get some bars for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. I think we can move to another player. And this is one that maybe uh, people that are listening to the show are a little bit more familiar with. We did take him in the Locked On NBA Ultimate Mock Draft, which I'll shameless plug that real quick. If if people haven't listened to that yet, definitely go give that a listen. It was a multi-part series where every single team in the Locked On Network uh, made picks for their teams. And we walked out with Josh Giddy, RIP uh, to those dreams, and Trey Mann, who's the other guy I want to talk about here. So give me the give me the skinny on Trey Mann. I, I, you know, we've talked about him a decent amount. Obviously, he's... He has pretty good size um, at 6'5". He has a good handle. He has great creation ability. The defense is it, it definitely seems like an issue. Um, but we've also sort of... <laughs> we've been on like a crusade this whole year to disprove the myth that Tibbs loves defensive-minded uh, guards. He really doesn't. He he likes guards that have big cojones, that like to you know get their own shot and play confidently. And, you know, create for themselves and others. And man, you know, he maybe has to work on the others part, but he can certainly create for himself and, uh, you know, fi- find a shot pretty much anytime he wants to uh, with his handle and and just his general, you know, aptitude for scoring the ball. So what are your thoughts on him? I hear some people saying that they think that he's one of the better uh, potential star bets later in this draft, a la quickly. You know, in the in the sense that he might have a lot more to offer than what he showed in college, uh, if you can hone some of the other skills in and develop him in things other than just the scoring aspect, which he seems to have down. Uh, but what's your general thoughts on on man and his his scouting report, and then of course, it, as we have with everything, is fit on the Knicks. Yeah, he's probably the best pull up shooter in the draft, uh, which is a skill obviously the NBA covets right now. Again, 6'5", I think 6'4", without shoes. Um, The wingspan isn't great. I think it's right at, you know, even with his height, maybe an inch, half an inch uh, longer. Uh, That doesn't help him as much on the defensive end. He's also pretty skinny, uh, so he'll definitely have to add add weight and add strength if he wants to compete uh, on that end. But again, you look at the the off-the-dribble numbers, you ranked the 90th percentile last year uh, on huge volume. Uh, great in the pick and roll. Um, getting his own shot out of that is is no problem with him. You mentioned his handle. 
one of the best, uh, you know, step back, sidestep, uh, crossover, um, anything really. He, he has that in his bag. The only thing that he, he's not great at right now is kind of getting past his man and getting to the rim. Uh, he wasn't a great finisher as well, but he does have a pretty good floater. So again, we saw this with quickly uh, this rookie year, utilize that instead of getting all the way to the rim. So I think I think he'd kind of be in that same mold uh, as a scorer, at least early on um, until he gets his body a little bit stronger, maybe uh, get more comfortable kind of uh, taking on uh, contact at the rim and, and getting fouls. But yeah, at the end of the day, he, he's a scorer at heart. Um, but he's also an underrated passer in my, my opinion. You don't really hear people talking about his passing at all, or some people even think it's a negative. Well, I think he's, he makes a simple read, right? He's not going to be, you know, Chris Paul out there or anything like that in terms of uh, point guard diming up uh, teammates, but he does run a pretty good two man game out of the pick and roll. He can hit the roll man. He could, you can make swing passes. Sometimes he'll try to force things, but I'd rather have a guy force things than just not make the pass altogether or miss the pass. So I think he definitely took a huge step freshman year to sophomore year at Florida. So I think you could take another step playmaking wise. And then if you pair that with his scoring potential, I think, yeah, he'd be a great pick uh, in in the late first round with with, uh, some pretty good upside. It all Pretty much the defense is kind of the biggest question mark with him. Um, and not sure it'll ever be a plus on that end. But, you know, if, if you're giving as much on offense, you don't really need to do as much uh, on the defensive end. Could you could you see him? Because this, was, this is a big debate when we decided to take him in that ultimate mock draft. And I was a fan enough of his game that I thought it, it sort of superseded fit. But could you see him and Emmanuel quickly being successful together? Is that contingent on because I I I think quickly is going to turn into a pretty decent defender just with how smart he is how hard he plays on that end his long wingspan his instincts but um and maybe just they they get by because man is is tall but can can you see that being a viable defensive backcourt and then offensively with both of them having somewhat similar skill sets being really really good in terms of self-creation threes and not being very good or, or at least at this point at um, finishing around the basket. I mean, both have good floaters, but in terms of just like their layup packages and getting all the way to the rim, do do you see them being a viable fit together or or not so much? Yeah, I think I think it would be super interesting to to pair them together. Maybe not in like a starting backcourt, playing them thirty minutes uh, per game together, but here and there, it's you can never have uh, you know um, enough kind of shot creators right out there on the court. And with a guy like Randall, with a guy like RJ, who could play make as well. Um, you know, it, it would be super interesting to have them four on the court together and, and see, you know, what comes out on the offensive end. On the defensive end, um, you know, I think quickly, like you mentioned, will be a, a decent defender just given his length. I think he'll he'll be fine there. Uh, I have less confidence in, in Trey Mann kind of getting there just given he's not as long. Um, he's skinnier, uh, even though he's 6'4". Um, I, I would be fine with him guarding some ones. Um, maybe some twos and, you know, it would be, I think an interesting fit, not the best fit, but at the end of the day, I like both of them. I think they could both play 20 plus minutes, uh, on this Knicks roster and kind of see how much, you know, it tips, you know, we mentioned before how much he just likes guys that, you know, have confidence and, and can get buckets. Both of these guys can do that. And I think having two of those guys is better than having, uh, you know, one of those guys, especially in the playoffs. Uh, it looked like the Knicks were kind of running out of gas in terms of shot creators there. 
uh, relying on Alec Burks pretty heavily. So having these two on the court together in crunch time, I think would be pretty, pretty exciting on the offensive end and the defensive end would kind of be the big question mark there. So uh, to move to another guy uh, in our in our whirlwind <laughs> pre-draft uh, special here, I guess we'll call it. This is kind of like our our last ditch effort to get in all the guys that we haven't really talked enough about here. Um, Zaire Williams it, getting a little top ten buzz now. Again, another one of the, out of Wasserman's column. Which shout out to Jonathan Wasserman again. Freaking the dude is killing it. He like literally change the whole landscape of the draft with one column, at least as far as what everybody was thinking. Uh, he said the magic brought back Zaire Williams for a second workout. So he might go at pick eight. That would kind of make sense. You know, if the magic see him as sort of a, a, uh, you know, a project that they want to build on for a few years, they're sort of in a rebuild ish at the moment. So that would make sense. But assuming, you know, that he ends up going as low as some, people have been thinking, which he's been mocked to the Knicks range about a million times, you know, like pretty much every mock for the last month and change has had him in the Knicks range. So let's just assume that maybe this is all smoke on the the magic end and he does become available to the Knicks. Um, like I think Zaire Williams is pretty intriguing. You know, he, you wrote the, the draft profile for him on the Strickland, which brought to light some stuff that I wasn't fully aware of prior to that, which is like he had a really rough, college experience in his one year at Stanford, like because of COVID rules, because of them being extra stringent in California, um, they weren't able to use their own practice facility. They didn't play in their own gym. Um, it, it just was a huge mess. And, you know, on top of it, he had like a, an injury of some sort where he had to wear this big old bulky brace on his knee and he's already not a particularly bulky person in general. So that probably felt like, you know, like a 10 pound weight on his knee to him. Because he's still very much, you know, he's he's not in NBA shape yet. He's just he's rail, rail thin, and that's one of the main knocks against him so far. But what what are your thoughts on Zaire? Like, I, I know coming into the season, people were people were gassing him up big time. Like, like he could have been potentially a top five pick. And his first few games, you know, it kind of seemed that way. Like there was some flashes where people were going like, "Oh yeah, this is it." But then as the season went on, kind of similar to BJ Boston, but not quite to the same extent as with BJ. You know, he he kind of fell off a little bit and, you know, there was less talk about him as a high pick. And then it was like, oh, maybe he's going to go to the teens. Maybe he'll go late lotto. Then it was, oh, maybe he's going to be top 20. You know, I think I might have seen even one mock draft where he almost made it to the second round. Um, I really doubt that's going to happen based off the pedigree there. But what, what are your thoughts on him? You know, I, I think to my eye, he looks like a guy who's a pretty well-rounded prospect from a skill set perspective and really just needs that that NBA conditioning program, big, big time. Like he needs to put on strength in a huge way. Uh, and also maybe just with that will come, you know, finishing inside more and stuff like that. But what's your general scouting report on a uh, Zaire going into the draft? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he definitely from day one, you need to get him in the gym and get some muscle on him. Cause he's extremely skinny, extremely weak. Uh, and yeah, that taps into his non existent ability to get to the rim and finish. So from day one, that's kind of the main focus with him. But if you buy Zaire Williams upside, you buy the flashes that he shows. Uh, he, you know, you look at his whole tape at Stanford or Stanford. Uh, Alex, you hit on it with the, the kind of background with their kind of weird year and his in particular weird year, starting out with the injury. It kind of looked like it slowed him down. Everything kind of looked funky with him. 
But at the end of the day, he, he could create his own shot off the dribble at 6'10". There aren't many guys in the NBA that do that right now at a consistent basis. So it's all about getting that consistency, getting that rhythm, getting him more comfortable in the NBA game. Uh, you know, he, he took a decent amount of like mid range pull-ups, uh, which you, you see in the, in the playoffs being kind of a big time shot and he hit him, um, you know, 70th percentile ranked in, in that on, on synergy. So there is some, you know, versatility there in terms of three level scoring, the shot looks good. It just doesn't go in at the percentage you, you think it would, you think it would, um, and yeah, he's a tools guy, right? Especially on defense, even with the skinny frame, he's 6'10", with I think close to a seven foot wingspan, and just showed some defensive versatilities. Always, you know, active on defense, jumping passing lanes, always engaged. Um, you know, I don't think he'll ever be kind of a really plus playmaker on offense, but on defense, I think he can be kind of that difference maker, um, especially if he's guarding kind of smaller twos, smaller threes. I don't think he, he'll ever get to a point where he's kind of, um, you know, guarding fours just given his size. I think they'll they'll be kind of capped out at, at playing the three mostly. Um, but yeah, just a guy, I think tremendous upside, guy with size, guy who can create his own shot. And hopefully, yeah, you're just betting on your strength and conditioning program, getting him in shape, getting some pounds on him that he'll be able to kind of, um, you know, instead of just settling for step back jumpers, those turn into kind of attacking closeouts and getting to the rim and yeah, getting to the foul line, which you didn't do a lot at, uh, at Stanford. All right, we're going to take our second break. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Plus, why would you want to endure all the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands that their warehouse carries that are going to make them the most money. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You don't need to deal with this crap anymore. On top of it, you know, they're not just some corporate stooges. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer having every single thing that you could possibly need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for your car, anything. I mean, like I said, I've gone there and I've bought something so simple as a gas cap and got it shipped right to my door for the lowest price available, even less than Amazon. So it, you can't beat it. Rockauto.com has everything that you need for your car. If you want to check it out and see and you know, prove me right that they do have everything you need for your car or truck, head to rockauto.com right now, see the selection, Maybe find something that you need for that, you know, that little repair project you've been putting off for a while. And if you decide to pick something up right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I want to move on to someone who is maybe heading um, somewhat in the opposite direction. That's Davion Mitchell, who obviously had, had all, the, um, all the push in his favor in, in the world coming off of the NCAA tournament where he led Baylor to a national championship. It, it was pretty common in initial mock drafts to have him going um, to the Golden State Warriors, wherever they ended up with that Timberwolves pick. And now it seems like potentially he could be someone who falls to late lottery. And Alex, I'd love if you, if you gave us sort of a compare and contrast between 
him and Jared Butler. Obviously, Mitchell is still someone who is the higher regarded of the two, but there, there are some people who say that Butler is, is perhaps the safer prospect with his shooting being somewhat more of a sure thing, having one of the better handles in the draft. And with Mitchell, there, there are very real questions on that end because last year was his first season of really high-level three-point shooting and, as, as is often cited, free-throw shooting sometimes being a better indicator um, in terms of college shooting translating to the NBA. And that was a capacity where he was never all that good in college, finished his senior year right around 66%. So who do you have higher on your personal board between Mitchell and Butler? And do you see either as, as a fit on the Knicks? Yeah, I think they would both fit on the Knicks. Uh, I actually like Butler more than Davion. So I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, I just think, De- or, or not, sorry, I like Butler more than Davion. And Butler just does everything well, right? He, he's not... I don't think he has star upside or anything like that, but you look at the guy, he's a tremendous shooter, uh, 98th percentile catch and shoot, 77th percentile off the dribble. So he could do both. Uh, you, you mentioned his handle. He, he's got one of the better handles in the class. He's really compact. Uh, he has a lot of different combo moves to get to his own shot. Uh, he can hit it off movement too. Um, you know, he, he does struggle kind of in isolation, creating his own, uh, you know, drives to the rim. Um, but I think that that'll be fine. He, I don't think he's going to be, you know, main cog your offense. Uh, you're not going to throw him in ISOs or anything like that, but I don't think you're going to do that with Davion either. Um, he's also two years younger than Davion. Um, and, you know, if we were comparing them at the same age, Davion wouldn't even be an NBA prospect. So just having Butler on this stage uh, two years younger, I think is a huge uh, kind of uh, thing that people kind of just overlook on the two prospects. Um but then, you know, Davion could just be a late bloomer, right? Uh, you, you mentioned the shooting, took a huge jump this year, shooting, I think, 45% from three, um, when before in, in his other two years, didn't really shoot it at all. And the free throw percentage is a little concerning uh, in the 60s, too. You, you'd like to see at least probably in the 80s for, for a guard. Um, and he's also only six feet tall, six one maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think Butler is the more well-rounded. I think Davion the things he does well, he kind of does at a star level, like the point of attack defense. Um, but Butler kind of, I think is the better all around prospect and kind of a better fit. I think you throw him in kind of any lineup, he, he'll fit at the one or the two. Um, you know, they're both kind of decent playmakers. They're good playmakers. They're not, they're not great. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I would take Butler over Davion um, and, and not really think twice about it. Yeah, so I, I think that basically wraps up most of the guys that we want to talk about still for the first round for the Knicks. Now, this, of course, brings us to the second round where I think people forget the Knicks do actually have two second round picks. Uh, they have the 32nd pick and then the 58th pick. And, of course, the second round is like the Wild West. That's where teams, you know, some teams focus on getting draft and stash guys. Some teams focus on instant contributors. You sometimes see some pretty talented players fall to the you know, the late stages of the draft. So with pick 58, you know, there's maybe some guys that the Knicks could end up snagging that, you know, drop further than were expected. Of course, you know, some guys tend to hit the uh, undrafted free agent market as well. So, you know, if that happens, then, you know, they might be active in that space as well. But what are your, do you have any guys that are mostly being mocked to the second round and maybe even a couple that people haven't heard of that you want to talk up like just some of your favorite sleepers in this draft for the second round yeah i think 
maybe starting off with ESPN's mock draft had uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl all the way down at 58. I think I have him at 31. So I think that would be huge value uh, power forward from Villanova. Uh, he, he's, you know, could do all the boring stuff that doesn't go in the stat sheet. Uh, he just does, he's a Villanova player, right? That, that's just what they do. They're fundamentally sound. They do all the dirty work, uh, gets rebounds, everything like that. He's just an all around good prospect. I think And at 58, I think that would be a no brainer. Um, another guy that I like is, uh, Justin Champagny out of pit. He's like a, he's weird. He's like a six, six power forward. But tremendous rebounder, probably the best rebounder, you know, per inch, per height, you know, out there. I think he almost averaged double digits or did like maybe 11 rebounds this year. Um, the, the question mark with him is, is shooting. He shot 29% from three, I think. So, um, you know, his brother was also in, in this draft and, and withdrew uh, earlier, but but Justin stayed in. So I think he would be another guy that would be interesting to take um, later on. And then. Maybe a, a big uh, EJ Onu, I think is how you pronounce it. I went to Shaughnessy State, um, you know, not a D1 program, but he's one of the biggest prospects in this draft. Uh, you know, I think he has a 7-6 wingspan, just a, a, an immediate shot blocking threat, uh, rim runner. He, he also shot over 40% from three. So just some intriguing tools there. He's a little on the older side, though. So, um you know, it would be just an interesting to see, you know, him be, you know, backup center for 10 minutes and, you know, get two blocks a game, something like that. Cause at 58, you know, what else are you really asking for? Um, and then maybe one last one, Jaquari McLaughlin, uh, out of UC Santa Barbara. Uh, he was in the tournament, had a good game. Um, you know, he's six, four point shooting guard, um, just all around kind of a, a good guard, another older prospect. I think he's going to be 24 when the season kicks off. But just a, a well-rounded, good size, good shooter, good good playmaker. I think he, he would be another good bet at 58. All right, Alex, very last question on my end. Uh, I'm going to give you, to, to wrap up the podcast, an, an opportunity to call your own shot here. Is there is there one prospect that you just have a gut instinct is going to end up on the Knicks? Or, or, or more so, uh, just uh, we'll, we'll see as it happens. Um, gut in, I, I, I mean, I hope it's Shreve Cooper, but I, I don't, I don't think they're going to take him, unfortunately. Um, my gut instinct, and I think I've said this to some of the other Strickland guys, I think Ayo Desunmu, I think might be a guy that they take at 19 or 21. Uh, you know, the point guard out of Illinois, good size at six four, six five, with, I think he has like a seven foot wingspan too. Uh, two way player. Uh, made some leaps on the shooting end, um, and that's kind of the the big question mark with him uh, coming into this year. So I think that's one guy that that I'm going to have an eye on, kind of draft night, and see see if his name gets called. Okay, well I think that about wraps up for us for this episode. Alex, thanks so much for coming on and giving us so much great insight on these guys that we <laughs> we had sort of not done as much uh, talking on as we should have prior to this point. So I think we've now mostly covered all of our bases. Now just watch the Knicks will just take someone that we somehow didn't talk about at all uh, (laughs) at picks 19 and 21. It'll be like quickly last year all over again, where we like barely even had them on the radar and then all of a sudden they take them. Uh, But do you want to let everybody know where to find you online and all that stuff uh, before we let you go? 
Yeah. Uh, so at Nick's draft on Twitter, that's where you could find me. Um, you know, I, I did some draft profiles for the Strickland. Um, you might see me on, on Nick's fan TV talking prospects from time to time as well. So uh, those are the three, three places. Cool. Well, thanks so much, man, for popping on again. And I'm sure this won't be the last time. We'll probably, maybe we'll even turn right around and get you back on for a uh, a quick snap preview of the 2022 draft uh, <laughs> sometime this off season. So yeah. thanks so much for popping on, man. Thanks, Thank you. I appreciate it.